I once took a class where we were not allowed to take notes. He made everybody who was taking notes put away all their papers and pencils and sit and listen to him. It was by far the worst class I ever had. I might as well have gone to the beach because I was getting nothing out of that class. And I knew it because I couldn't take notes. I even had a little paper under a book that I kind of snuck a note on every once in a while. And as he walked past my seat, he caught me doing it and sort of chided me privately about it. Now, really, was that any help to me? Not only was it a complete waste of my time, I had to go back home and reread and relearn all the information that he was trying to explain to us that day. Because honestly, I didn't remember a thing. Now, I've had friends who told me they want no part of taking notes. Just let me sit back and listen to what you have to say, and I'll learn it that way. But honestly, that did not work for me, and it never will. So today we're going to talk about note-taking, what it is, how to do it, and why it's important. So welcome to College Disabilities and Success, Episode 98, Taking Notes the Smart Way, with Mickey Hayes. The opinions in this podcast are my own, but please reach out to your college, physician, or legal services for additional information. So providing note takers was one of the accommodations that some of our students were given. And in that case, we would find somebody to take notes for that individual, whether it was somebody that we hired or whether it was somebody right in the class. Some colleges hire their own note takers and dispense them as needed. And some colleges allow the students to find their own note takers and provide copy paper and CR paper for the note taker to use so that the student with the disability and the note taker each get a duplicate set of notes. I've been in both situations. I think providing note takers is a better way to go, but not everybody does that. It's important for you to understand, first of all, that people learn differently. Some people are visual learners, and they're not going to learn unless they see something written down on a piece of paper, a picture, an image, a highlight, a bold print, something memorable in the works that they're reading. Those are visual learners. They have to see something visual in order to understand the information. And some people are auditory learners, and they simply need to hear the information in order to know what's going on. Somebody once told me, oh, okay, then I understand why my husband and I have so much trouble communicating because I'm a visual learner. I want to see it written down in a note, and he's an auditory learner, and he wants to be told. So if I'm a visual learner and all you do is tell me, there's a good chance I'm going to forget it. If you're an auditory learner and I just give you notes, there's a good chance you're not even going to pay attention to the note. So think about that when you're thinking about how you yourself learn. Do you learn visually? Do you learn using your auditory senses, listening? Are you a blended combination of both of those things? How do you specifically learn material? Or how does your child specifically learn material? Now, note-taking can become particularly problematic if you have a disability, because if you struggle with memory, you're going to have a hard time listening to the lecture in class and counting on remembering it. If you struggle with dyslexia, you're going to have a hard time 
putting those words down on paper to the point where you can understand and know what what you've read when you look back over them later. So if you have a learning disability, if you have dyslexia, requesting a note taker is a really good idea as long as you have the documentation to support that request. It should work for you. Now, if you are dyslexic and you can't really write down a lot that helps, pay close attention to what the instructor writes on the board and take pictures of the board whenever you can so that you have a visual record of what was up there because you can always go back and look at those pictures later and recall the information that the teacher went over in class. It's a really good way to get a good set of notes when you're in a class where the teacher likes to write things on the board. And it's especially helpful in a math class where they've put out a sample of a procedure that they want you to do with a math problem. Now, sometimes students like to tape record the classes, make a recording of the lecture, and that can get a little touchy sometimes. Some professors don't care about that. Others are concerned about confidentiality, especially if if you're in a class where there's a, a sensitive topic that's being discussed, and privacy of other students in class who are participating in the conversation. So when you talk about recording a lecture, that would often depend on what the class was and who's in that class commenting. It makes a difference, so you don't always get the ability to just record a class because you want to get the lecture. Now, you might want to go sit and talk to the professor during the office hours and ask about the content that was in that class and ask the professor at that time if you could just record the conversation with the professor one-on-one privately so that you're not impacting anybody else's right to confidentiality when they speak. So that's one option that may work. Now, that may involve disability services becoming part of those conversations to get that set up. And as is anything, you could get a little pushback for that, but it doesn't hurt to ask, and it might just work for you, depending on the class, depending on the situation, and depending on the professor. Before you start taking notes, you should prep for class. In other words, look at the calendar, look at what topic you're going to cover that day, look at the pages that the instructor is involving in the textbook, do some pre-reading, some skimming, get a sense of what you're walking into. Taking notes are a lot easier when you're walking into a little bit of knowledge about the class and what you can expect. It just makes it easier and better for the student. But let's say you're taking your own notes. So what should they look like? First of all, if your instructor gives you any kind of a handout, write your notes on that handout specifically, because if the instructor is talking about a certain point and it's on that handout and they add additional information, if you jot it right down there where the instructor is talking about it, that will help you connect the ideas. It makes sense to do that. But if the instructor does not give you a handout and you're just taking notes on plain white paper, there are a few tricks of the trade that will make it a little bit better for you in the long run. First of all, only use one side of the paper. Do not do front and back. Give yourself enough space in between the points. This is not the time to save paper. Have you ever seen those images in magazines, cartoons sometimes on the internet where there's a picture and you're searching for objects within that picture and sometimes it's really, really hard to see the objects that they hid among the drawings? That's what it's like with taking notes when you cram everything together and you don't give yourself enough white space between the notes. When you go back to look at the notes, what you're seeing is a visual 
piece of writing, massive amounts of work, words, nothing is standing out, nothing is grabbing your attention, and it all just runs together. So white space is very important when you're writing notes. Pen or pencil? Well, in reality, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that it's something you can visually see, that it's printing dark enough on the paper. This is not the time to use pink pens and yellow pens and green pens that barely show up against the white background. You want to make sure that what you're writing with is a good visual on that white paper. So what about spelling? Should spelling matter in your notes? No, because you're the only one that's going to read them. So however you spell a word is how you spell a word. You can always go back later and fix it, but do the best you can with your spelling when you're taking notes. Now, eventually you're going to have to go back and get the correct spelling when you start to study these things. But when you're just writing notes in class, this is not the time to worry about it because all it does is delay the next thing you're writing on the paper and it distracts from the point the instructor's trying to make. Pay attention to step-by-step information. When the instructor is counting points, one, two, three, A, B, C, that sort of thing, Mark those down on your paper so that you can keep some sort of a framework or an outline of those points because that will help you keep some organization to the notes. Now, I know sometimes it's difficult to track that. Like, did I miss a number? I just had three and now they're on five. What happened? Just write it down. You'll figure it out later. You can go back and correct it if you need to. Or you can go back and ask the question in class if you need to. I would use loose leaf paper in a binder as opposed to the spiral notebooks where you tear out the paper because there's a good chance you're going to have to rearrange some of your pages or you may want to rearrange some of your pages and you can't really do that in a spiral notebook. I have found that loose pages that are numbered at the top works much better for me, but that really is just my personal preference. If you're taking notes in class, you do not have to write down every single thing that the professor says. If you can follow the main points, get the main points, the main ideas, keywords, dates, people's names, significant incidents, significant stories. Those are the kinds of things you want to make sure you get in the notes. Because what your notes are going to do later is you're going to go back and you're going to look at those. And by looking at the notes later, you should be able to have words in there that trigger the memory of what was said in class. And you could always go back at that time and add additional information to your notes. Because remember, you saved white space when you were writing your notes. So if you want to squeeze in additional information, you should be able to do it. Just remember, if the professor wrote it on the board, you should write it on your paper. That's telling you something. That's telling you that they thought it was important enough to put on the board. And therefore, there's a good chance that information will be on the test. If it's possible, you should review those notes as soon as you can. If you can review them right after class or do a quick skim of them even before you leave the class, that will help you know right away if you need to get any information from the professor or from a peer or a friend or somebody else in your class for a detail that you might have missed. It's better than trying to go look at them later and recall what you don't remember. Now, one of the things you can do after class is you can go back over those notes, and if you have the time and the inclination, you can rewrite them so that they are more clearly stated and that things are spelled correctly and in the right order and things like that. If you don't have that kind of time, you can at least go back and look for the key words and key phrases and maybe take a highlighter and just highlight those key words. Don't stripe your notes. Don't make pretty little stripes all over them, but pick out specific 
words and phrases that you know are going to trigger an important detail that you're going to have to know for a test. So you're doing a little bit of prep work, and the closer you can do that to when it's been done in class, the better it is and the more effective it will be for you in the long run. Because when you are starting to study, you're better off if you can study information in chunks or pieces. Three or four things at a time is plenty. That'll help you to learn them and understand them and then move on to the next area of notes. And that way you can do that easily if you have trigger words or keywords highlighted in your notes. Now take all of these notes that you've done. Make sure your pages are numbered in order. Don't mess them up because you'll have a real mess trying to put them back together. And put them in a binder. Don't have a lot of loose papers all over the place. It will do you absolutely no good whatsoever. So put them in some sort of a binder. You can buy really skinny binders these days, half-inch ones that are real easy to use and carry. And then you have everything in one location. So when it comes time to study that material, you're not floundering and wondering where they're at. Now, the way I talked about taking notes today is not any kind of an official method for taking notes. There are systems in place. The Cornell Notes is one type of a note-taking system that's that works. I've taught it in the past to students, and I understand how it works and its effectiveness. But you could look that up if you want to know more about Cornell Notes. It involves getting your note paper ready for class and dividing your note paper into questions and details. It's a little more complex than if you're just walking into class without any prep work. But if you find yourself in a situation where you're just walking in and you need to take notes that day with no prep work, then making sure you have white space, making sure you keep things separated, making sure that you number things when the professor is giving certain lists of words or certain concepts in order, make sure those are numbered. Make sure if the professor wrote it down on the board, you copy it down. And make sure if you go back and review your notes, you highlight only keywords. So I hope you found some value out of today's lesson because we've all been in that situation where we're stuck and we've got to figure out what's going on and what the instructor is trying to help us learn. Remember to check the professor's office hours and go ask questions if you look back at your notes and they don't make sense. You're not bothering the professor. They really appreciate it when students come and show interest in their work. If you have any questions about this topic or any other topics, check out mickeyteaches.com. I have some blog posts on that, on note-taking, studying, and memorizing, things like that. Or you could send me an email at mickeyteaches at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-K-I-E, teaches at gmail.com. If your child is in high school and they are just getting prepared for transitioning to college and you don't quite know where to go or what to do, Check out my ebook, Insights from a Disability Specialist, that has over 30 questions in it that you can ask disability services when you get to those first meetings at the college before you even become a student. In the meantime, I hope you all have a great rest of the day, and we will talk again soon. Bye. Information contained throughout this podcast has been gleaned from my own personal experiences. 
but to ensure accuracy, please contact the Disability Services at the college of your choice to have first-hand information and the most up-to-date policies and procedures followed by your particular institution of higher education. The content in any of these podcasts is not intended as a substitute for information from legal, educational, or medical professionals. Always seek the advice of your attorney or qualified health care provider with any questions you may have with regards to legal, educational, or medical concerns.